Previously on Talking Joe. So yeah, more Mando Madness next week. But right now we'll close the show out with some questions that we asked you that you gave us answers to and then a new question that we're going to put to you for next week. Something like that. Anyway, take it away, Funky Bunch. Okay, we asked you a question. You've been the listener of the show. And we being me and Chief. And you must answer us now. Ow. Yeah. Talking Joe is on the air, and here are your hosts, Chief and Mark. Hey, 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 it's me, the Chief Doggy Dog, and you are on the other side of this uh, wired electrical connection, and you are... Hey, my name is, huh? My name is what? My name is Chicken 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 chick, Fat Marky. Wow, yes, and what we need there is the, the, the Funky Bunch backing vocals, but... Um, Yes, if, can I be bothered to edit something in? Find out, <laughs> listeners, as you're, as you're listening now, you'll know whether I did or I didn't. Uh, how are you, good buddy? Yeah, good. I've, uh, I'm just enjoying my beverage for the show here. Beverage for the show. <laughs> Ow! Uh, new segment coming back, old segment coming back, uh, beverage for the show. Uh, I'm saying a Pepsi Cola. What, now? Yeah. It's a bit early okay. for a Pepsi, isn't it? I'm saying you look like a tea drinking man. Uh, I'm I'm on my morning coffee. Okay. Cup Are you a tea drinking jewel. man as well? Um, I'll have a cup of tea in the afternoon or evening sometimes, but yeah, not okay. massive into tea, but but yeah. So coffee in the morning. So you say your morning coffee. How many coffees are you having a day? Uh, maybe two. Yeah. Okay. Morning one, and uh, you, you take it black, black as night. <laughs> no. No. no? Okay. I go. I go uh, sweet and white. Okay. So yeah. a splash, so uh, quite a bit of milk and two sugars. Uh, one large sugar, let's say. <laughs> one large sugar. Okay, nailed it. I nailed it. First guess. First time. Milky white, <laughs> sweet coffee. How is it today? Yes, yeah, all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Particular brand you have? Are you an instant man? Are you a, a bean grinder man? What's how do you do it? Uh, I go. I I I do quite like a a, a grinder the old bean. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, sort of that releases that fresh flavour to it. Um, so, yes. so that's probably my preference. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, but, good. But yeah, it's um, it's just the powdered stuff today in the old cafeteria. Okay. And, All right, uh, okay. But, All right, Marky Funky Bunch supping on a Java. Very good, mm. very good. Chief, I'd, I did have a. Oh, I finished it. Oh no, wait a minute. What's this I found in the loft? Ah, oh, yes. This was, <laughs> it's a so, bottle of wee. No, tell you what, there is a bottle of wee actually because I played that <laughs> one last night. And um, it's actually not a bottle. It's a one-litre bottle of Alpro growing up soya drink. So I was going up into the loft for a battlefront session with Ben last night, and I knew I was going to need a piss. And I did not want to come down at the loft just for that because it makes too much noise. So I thought, right, I need to take a bottle up with me. Have I got any semi-empty bottles? And I found this uh, carton of the kids' um, the kids' soy milk that she has on her cereal. There was only a little bit left. So I just necked that and then took the empty empty carton up with me. This so that is, is yes, you're right. That is full up one liter of oh piss my there. God. This is but, a uh, this is a premeditated loft wee. This is this yeah, is the worst. Yeah. Um, but I have got this. Uh, I have got a Luscombe Devon England Rhubarb Crush organic sparkling drink, uh, which I was drinking during the Outer Timers two hour Return of the Jedi watch along special, listen along special. So if you're not aware of that, me and Ben reunited for a one off special where we watched Return of the Jedi and did our audio commentary over the top. That is available now on the Outer Timers channel, um, okay, where course. you used to get your pods. Have you listened to it yet? I've not, I've not yet, but but would your recommendation be that the, the listener, if they can, they hit play at the beginning of the, the pod and try and watch along? 
Initially, I'd said yes, but now I'm thinking no, because it's not like a DVD commentary where you watch and you've obviously got the picture and that's where your audio is coming from. Here, obviously, we've we've put the movie soundtrack, we've layered that underneath. So you don't need, necessarily need to watch it along. And I think most people who are going to listen are fully aware of Return of the Jedi and what's going on anyway. So, okay. so you I can think hear I, it. You could, do, you could do, and you could turn the sound down on your TV. I think that would work, because mm-hmm. otherwise you're going to get me and Ben talking, plus the movie audio from the podcast, and then audio from your TV. I, hard to sync that up, I think. Okay, but, so even if you're just on the old audio when you're out and about doing your things... Yeah. You can yeah, get yeah. you can get a good enough idea of what's going on. Yeah, on the, yeah, definitely, on the definitely. Well, give it a go. Give it. I've, right. I've listened to it this morning. Actually, I went out for a run. Went to the farmers market. I give it a listen back, and it was good. But um, let me know. You stick it on the uh, DVD or whatever. Uh, we're doing the Disney Plus version because there's multiple versions of this movie, oh. and that will keep you in sync with what we're doing. But um, I said one off, but he's talking about doing another one. So maybe an Empire That's and it. then a New Hope. We're doing a reverse order. But um, anyway, <laughs> this ain't the Out of Timers podcast this is the talking joe podcast and yes i'm going to sip on a bit of this beverage for me right now <sighs> that is horrible <laughs> let's, let's uh, i think i've got the wrong one actually oh no oh no 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 <laughs> okay um yeah yeah um listen i have got a very messy loft and i've got a lot of action figures on the floor i want to discuss two of them so it's time for some fiasco action figures we all love them we all love them action figures oh yeah they bring us joy in our daily life bring us joy action figures yeah evoking memories from our childhood childhood but now we're grown and we just can't stop, just can't stop Buying plastic till our wallets pop, 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 pop When will it end? Who can say? Who can say? Cause action figures are part of our DNA DNA, DNA Some people say maybe we've gone a little wacko But action figures bring us joy like a rainbow they are so hot like a splash of Tabasco Now it's time for Action Figure Fiasco Now it's time for Action Figure Fiasco Right, the first figure up for us today is from the G.I. Joe Classified 6-inch line and it is Gung Ho! Um, what's his real name? I don't even know his real name. What's his real name? Oh, you put me on the spot now. Um... I claim to be a G.I. Joe fan, but clearly I'm not. I'm not going to know that off the top of my head. Um, okay. Without, yeah. Epic fail from two, two <laughs> supposed Joe fans. Now, this guy is big. Now, I haven't got Roadblock to hand. He might be using the same body. Yeah, this is what, this is what I think um, is, has happened with him. Is Yeah, it's the basic same underlying body right. sculpt with all of okay. the extra with you know the head and the, yep. and the jacket and bits on top for, for some reason he just looks a bit beefier you've got this guy on pre-order and he's not arrived yet still uh he has arrived now but he's um he's wrapped up and in the loft ready christmas for christmas present. yeah okay for christmas present from you to you or from you to the boys <laughs> from me to the boys yeah okay, why not all right um, if I gave it to yeah, myself, so the, they're just going to steal it and play with it anyway. So yeah, 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 may as well save myself some 
Christmas Christmas buy-in and uh, yep. pretend it's for them. Yeah, yep, there you go. Um, so this guy, like the colour scheme here, this kind of dark and light green works well. He's got one black knee pad. Not sure why that is, but fine. <laughs> Kind of an understated metallic shin guards, not the kind of the bright sparkling gold on some of the others, but you know, some nice, right, nice yeah. shiny boots. He's got a upper thigh strap, which looks like three grenades on there, not removable, but that's fine. We don't need that. Um, on the right um, arm, he's got like a, a um, what's that bit there? The, what's the bit between the hand and the elbow? Um, forearm. 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 Yeah, why not? Jeez. He's got a forearm guard with something strapped on. Then on the right side, oh yeah, he's got a elbow pad, a removable elbow pad on the left hand, oh, right. removable cap showing off his mohawk. Um, no problem with that. I think some people had beef with that. No problem there. Nice tattoo on his chest. He's got a removable jacket which doesn't do up, doesn't go all the way. Yeah. Three grenades on the shoulder. Then he's got this backpack which uh, houses two of his three weapons. They just clip in there. Very cool. I like that. Actually, it houses three because I've seen a clip on the bottom. Yeah. And weapons-wise, looks like he's got some kind of shotgun, uh, then some kind of grenade launcher thing, mm-hmm. and then some sort of sci-fi-ed-up machine gun. But the weapons don't look, you know, too futuristic. That's fine. I mean, I, I don't mind the futuristic look. They are very silver-looking, anyway. though, aren't they? Overly silver. I mean, we we at one point were talking about getting one of these Marauders packs of of weapons, yeah, um, realistic military weapons, but uh, uh, I kind of rained on the parade. We're going to split postage, but I've rained on that parade because I'm stopping collecting these guys, um, and uh, I don't want to spend any more money on them. So I'm not. I've bowed out there. So you're on your own, my friend. <laughs> yeah, might still happen. Yeah, um, um, but this bigger. He's, he's big. Yeah, he yeah. looks bigger than Roadblock, even though, like we say, same mold, but. Great articulation. There's no loo- I've got no looseness in my figure anywhere, as some of the early ones suffered from. Um, muscle bound, yeah, holds the weapons well. Uh, and good um, figure, I think. Yeah, he's got he's got the communicator on his. I think it's a communicator on his shoulder as well, which is quite a um, ah. unifying feature of most of the the Joes. They have that same kind of device ah, on that blue on thing. Is that yeah. What it is? This so, is a beef I have got with all the figures. These bloody backpacks, they just don't stay in. Uh, I'm struggling to keep it to stay in. But anyway. Um, and there's a, a lot of people have beef with um, his hat as well. That it's, They don't think it's quite faithful enough. It's a bit of too much of a generic army cap rather than a gung-ho okay. sort of you right. know, slightly more stylized shape. And there's a there's a swap-out hat that you can, you can buy that... Right. Um, that is a closer to the original version one okay. gung ho uh, hat. Yep. I don't. I can see. I can see that. I mean, you know, I've said before, I'm not bothered about fatal recreations to the original characters because I think if you're only ever wanting that, you're on a pretty much losing battle because <laughs> they're not going to make them 100% faithful to what you know and love from your childhood. So, you know, if if there are like you said, customs or, or ways to redo the figures, fine, but. Um, stop moaning I say yeah. to all those people and that, the, yeah. the, other, the other one is that on his chest um, his, his tattoo it's um, a kind of new design that it's not the same as the original which was the right, uh, the US Marine Corps um, yes. design which sort of has got that, it's, it's bigger and bluer and it's got um, a sort of a big globe on it as well and apparently okay, that's, yes, that's yeah, tr- apparently that's trademarked in there uh, so they've avoided using that because of uh, because of that reason obviously it's sort of right very similar vibe, 
but um, okay. yeah, it would have been nice if it was you know that that uh, kind of more faithful representation of the the original because I thought that that looked very cool. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, but okay. all in all, uh, good figure. Pretty pleased with that guy. Good stuff. Uh, Let's move on. I've got another figure here. It's a Star Wars Black Series. It is a Luke Skywalker in Snowspeeder outfit. So this guy is... Um, let me get the... He only Accessories, he only comes with a lightsaber. That's it. Lightsaber. And with these ones, they have a little hook on the hilt of the lightsaber. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. But this particular... Like, you can hook it on Vader's belt and things like that. But this guy doesn't have a hook to put it on. Oh. So a bit, little bit disappointing there. Uh, overall, though, the figure, I'm trying to, I've got a wedge in the cabinet over <laughs> In your <there>. pants. <laughs> I've got a wedge, yeah, I've got a wedge in the cabinet. I was just looking to see the difference, because off the top of my head, if I said, what's the difference between an X-Wing outfit and a Snowspeeder outfit, I probably couldn't tell you, but I'm just trying to, he's over in the corner, I can't really get to him. I think it's just they got this kind of more padded mm, look in the Snowspeeder yeah. one, obviously because they're in the cold, I guess. But this guy um, looks great, very iconic. Uh, I'm going to take his helmet off, removable helmet. Uh, if I can not break the chin strap when I do it. Oh. Uh, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Got it. Right. Okay. Yes. So this helmet is—it's worth buying the figure alone for this helmet. It is incredible. The paint apps are brilliant. It's got scuff marks. It's got like a translucent yellow eyepiece so good so mm, good underneath a lot of detailing we, on it yeah underneath we've got Luke we've got the face print, face printing technology which has left some of the faces looking a little bit shiny but his is okay I think eyes are a little bit glossy um, like a dog but <laughs> but the face looks good uh, he has got the the overhead garment so it looks like he's kind of got a cloth swimming cap on oh right yeah yeah um, got you like a lifeguard's is, cap like yeah. a lifeguard's cap, but it goes all the way over his ears. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I thought about doing was, you know, for all these toy f- photographs that I claim I'm doing, I've done about three. So uh, I was going to swap a head over. I was going to buy an archive X-Wing Luke and put the Luke head from that onto this one um, because it's not, it's just a, a, a haired Luke. Um, well, I have got a Dagobah Luke over there, actually. That might work. Mm-hmm. Pop that head onto this figure. So, because it just looks a bit weird with this white cloth cap. Put some gotcha. pictures up on the socials. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, that side, um, good articulation on the figure. Um, is got this straps that kind of run down the front, grey strap run down the front and then round his legs. Yeah. Um, some sort of harness thing that's kind of floating loose does hinder articulation a little bit i think and also he's kind of got a bit of a skirt from his top that yeah. runs down which again hinders a bit of articulation um his feet look a little bit big he's got like moccasins on they look a bit big but um <laughs> overall and what are yeah. those straps for i've never quite understood it no no Don't... is it have they, has wedge got them on his figure can't see from here i think so but yeah, the yeah, new the snake, the new Snake Eyes um, oh, no, uh, retro figure has got something similar, similar a big, right. big strap uh, hanging down between his legs. Right. Um, but overall, uh, pretty pleased with this figure. Looks great, iconic, and um, a good addition to the shelf. Uh, this was, you know, I've like I said before, um, I'm massively cutting back my purchasing. Uh, I got a very good online deal from a Facebook group where I got like seven figures that were pre-owned but mm-hmm. seven figures for like 65 quid oh good um 
So, you know, I couldn't turn that down. But, yeah, there you go. Good we'll stuff. pictures up on the socials. Uh, more action figure fiasco next week. But right now, we need to talk about some comics. Comic talk. Oh, comic talk. Barry Hammer writes them. Chief and Mark discuss them. Whoa. Comic talk. Oh, comic talk. Larry Hammer rides them, Chief and Mark discuss them, whoa! Okay, on the chopping block this week, it's 251, 252 and 253. We've got three special missions-esque. Well, they're not special missions-esque. They are special missions because they're labelled special missions. Um, nice little break from especially the ninja stuff we've been having lately and the blue ninjas and stuff. None of that, none of that palaver here. Just uh, good old-fashioned individual special missions. So... Let's take a look. Uh, I tell you, I'll do a sit rep. This is just a generic sit rep that will cover all three. It's in the front of two, five, one, two, and three. So here we go. G.I. Joe, Cobra, two opposing forces, two powerful war machines, each made more lethal by the undeniable strength of their individual parts. But who and what are those parts? Okay, right. So the first one we got here is a Stalker special mission. Let's have a quick look at the Part covers. Part one. <laughs> Part one, st- yeah. yeah so here's, here's the part one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, initial cover is actually a gatefold. Yeah, have you got this one in front of you? Yes. Yep. Yep. This is the cover I have. So this is by Alex Sanchez, who does the colours by yeah, Adam in- Gorowski, and Sanchez is actually on interior art here as well. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, so he's sort. Like this one? Yeah, he sort of like the the front page is like you know iconic kind of splash image of of stalker kind of wading through you know uh, uh coming out of on the bank of the other side of a, a river and then the back cover looks to be probably Viet Cong in a yep. in a rowing boat of sorts sort of attacking him um and sort of taking it in as an image as a whole it doesn't make a huge amount of sense because because no. stalker seems totally oblivious to what's going on behind him um, yeah, there's yeah, too much expanse between in yeah. the middle. They're coming, they're coming at him and firing at him, and and he's sort of just walking along nonchalantly as if uh, no one, you know, <laughs> no one has spotted him. So yeah, yeah. Um, as a as a complete image, it sort of doesn't make a huge strange sense composition there. Um, but, cover yeah. B, Fr- front covers all right, but the back covers yeah. with it. Uh, is cover a bit B weird. is the um, subscription cover by John Royal, Cover Girl, and Stalker laying down some heavy fire. Yep, nice. Yep. And, and um, then we've got the incentive cover from Larry, which is a sketch of Stalker. Very similar to a sketch I've actually got. Oh, really? Stalker. Okay, yeah. yeah, I've seen a few similar ones. I wonder if it, if this is a sort of a fan sketch, which he's scanned and um, s- submitted for this special yeah. special missions. I think I've seen one that's almost identical to, to this, which might actually be the image, uh, which has been inked by Mike Vosberg. So it looks okay, a bit more yeah. uh, finished and, and polished, which is a, a yeah. nice one. Google that. Okay. Um, yeah. Good stuff. Good favourite of these three? Do you think? Um, um hard to say. Really, maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe the hammer. I like. I, I, I like sort of. Uh, I like those those hammer kind of. Yeah. Same. Uh, I'll go the same. Long range recon patrol style uh, yeah. sketches that he uh, he is yeah. partial to doing. So yeah, very good. Yep. Okay, uh, let's crack into the story. Um, give us a breakdown of what's going on here. So, Stalker is having PTSD nightmares and is doubting his abilities. 
A week later, he's on a mission in Sierra Gordo with Shipwreck and Zap to shoot terrorists who have taken hostages. Uh, if that outcome is that the hostages are killed. Uh, and then, yeah, the story unfolds from... Yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's it. Yeah, like, you know, these are one-offs, so we haven't got a massive amount of um, baggage or history here going in. It's, you know, it's one, one and done. Tales. Yeah, one and done's One and done's baby. So uh, let's talk about some of the key points going on. Talking points. Right. Um, this, I, I'll put it up front. I was, a, I was struggling a little bit here because the first few pages, you know, I actually like the setup here. Mm-hmm. We're getting a flashback to Nam. Now, actually, quick question. Has that been retconned yet? Are we still led to believe this team was Nam, or is it now a different conflict? So, you know, Like they updated Iron Man from wherever he was to, to the Middle East conflict for his origin. Have they done the same for these guys? So it's not retconned. They've just sort of stopped specifically calling it Vietnam, I think. So right. so it's it's a conflict which clearly is vietnam but but um yep. give, given the time that has elapsed it, you know and, and it being in today's you know modern day um yep. that doesn't make sense for the you know the character's ages and whatnot so it's just uh, yeah kind of left silent okay. on on right. being explicit okay well we do get a flashback to that period that we've seen many many times mm-hmm. before but i like the, the take on it because they've done something different they've actually rather than doing um, accurate recounts of what happened here we've got it in the form of a nightmare and mm-hmm. all his dead buddies are kind of zombified why did you leave us to die it's a nice little twist on what we've seen before I thought uh, yeah yeah it's uh, it's it's sort of another way of doing it rather than just recounting um, kind of the stuff that we've seen bit before there's I think a bit of a goofy in there though okay. that, that we you know we know that the there was the six member long range recon patrol which was led by stalker but containing snake eyes storm shadow dicky saperstein uh, ramon es- escobado and wade collins um and uh yet one of these guys one of these zombie guys is uh is called angel so um i think right. uh, larry might have got a little bit uh, confused uh, between uh, between some of the some of these uh, characters. Right. Um, yep. So uh, where is it? He's there. So he talks to Dicky, and Dicky talks about angels. So uh, one no prize could be that uh, Ram- Ramon's uh, nickname is Angel. So all of them yep. have got nicknames, haven't they? The sort of Stalker, Storm yep. Shadow, yep. Snake Eyes. Why not? Why not have uh, Ramon's? Uh, code name be uh, angel yep job done send that man that no prize um as he comes out of this nightmare kind of a weird sequence bottom of the page of him in detroit getting you know beaten up by some racists that plays no real part in the story <laughs> at all yeah i think what what this scene is about is that uh, remember a few issues ago um stalker had uh went back to to see his family yes I and do. was uh lamenting about the gentrification of uh his hometown um yep. that hometown i think being brooklyn um but then uh people sort of called out larry and said do you, do you remember actually um stalkers from detroit not but brooklyn so yeah. i think uh i think it was kind of trying to try and address that point of larry saying yeah yeah right stalker was from uh Detroit and okay. uh, and the family that he visited um, in that other issue, it, you know, they were his family, but but it wasn't yep. his, uh, it wasn't where he grew up. Okay, all right, yep, good stuff, good stuff. 
Um, so now he's, you know, we see him washing his face, whatever, rock and rolls there. And he's going through some issues. And uh, he doesn't want to go to see Psych Out. There's a chat with... Um, your rock and roll tells him to go and see Psych Out to get evaluated. Yeah. Um, and this bit didn't really make sense. I was like, well, why is he not going? And then uh, Spirit says, oh, look, all the higher-ups, they're going to look at that. That's going to harm any promotion you got planned. It'll stay on your record. But... Stalker never really struck me as a guy who wants to continually get promoted and get up that chain of command. So um, he needs, you know, I don't think it's a bad lesson here to just sit on these this PTSD and not do anything about it. And Spirit gives him terrible advice and he says, look, can you button it up yourself? Do a self-chill. I mean, Man this up. is horrendous <laughs> advice. I mean, I was actually offended. You know, this is... I don't know. You know, you've got a mental illness. He should be doing everything he can mm. to, to seek help. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Yeah. But. I mean, it does. It does seem harsh that that you know, if if you need help and you want to reach out to your you know resident expert in the field, that they're going to say, yeah, we're going to stick that on your permanent record and it's going yeah. to be held against you in the future. That's yeah. harsh. I mean, I- yeah, I like the setup. I like where they're sitting on this water tower or whatever the thing they're sitting on. You, you know, him and Spirit just kind of relaxing. I kind of like the conversation they're having, but it just, I don't know, I didn't like the, the, the resolution or conclusion. And the other thing is, that for me set up quite an interesting story going forward. However, all those first six pages are completely disregarded for the rest of the story. You know, because they have almost no bearing on the mission the Joes go on. Yeah, although I guess... Apart from the last panel, mm-hmm. or the last page, the two last panels where Stalker says, I was worried about dropping the ball back there. Yeah, and then yeah. one of them says, are you kidding me? The Stalker man never drops the ball. That's the only reference to the issues he's going through because he never shows any doubt on the mission <laughs> or anything. It's, it's just really weird storytelling from Larry. Yeah, okay. I don't... Sort of maybe, maybe, maybe not, but in, in sort of... As I'm reading, as I was, my me- my memory of reading it was maybe there was slightly more doubt in his mind as uh, right. uh, during it during the st- rest of the story, okay. but possibly not, possibly not. Okay, um, they're in. Where are they? They're in Sierra Gordo, and there is a terrorist hostage situation, and they basically look, got to get them out. They want to negotiate. The government wants to negotiate mm-hmm. them out, but if that goes sour, this Joe team is here to extract them. Um, with deadly force effectively and then yeah yeah it's sort of slightly different to the standard you know geo joe hostage situation where the joes are in there to get the hostage safely out what they're saying the mission is is here is that sit tight um your mission is that if the locals aren't able to resolve the situation we want you to effectively assassinate all of the remaining uh, all of the remaining terrorists uh, rather than uh, yeah actually going in there to to be a bit more proactive yeah and we should also mention um, that where Larry had a big usage of the word practicals here (laughs) he has switched that up for ters ters yeah uh, short for terrorists I assume but he uses that about 20 times in the issue yeah 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 it sticks out for sure that was why I, I definitely made a note of that one because uh, yeah it really does stick out <laughs> but yeah, he's got yeah. a brand new favourite word <laughs> yes yes um, how how do you feel like the action unfolds you you the, you know it flows fairly well it flows fairly well there's a there's one moment which is I think basically bad storytelling which is where the local SWATs raid this medical center and yes. at, at the same time um identically look addressed terrorists kick down 
uh, the Joe's hotel door. Yes. Um, yeah, I thought they were affiliated, but they exactly, they're not. wearing the same uniform. All of the other terrorists are dressed in, in you know, the more typical kind of terrorist uh, garb, um, whereas the guys at the Joe's door are dressed the same as the SWAT team, which kind of, you know, under normal circumstances of logic, would imply they were on the same time. It was the, it was the, you know, SWAT team. Um, yeah. Again, maybe no prize it that the uh, that these terrorists are dressed as a SWAT t- team so that they could then move a little bit more uh, easily, uh, you know, across into that hotel and and sort of try and get the drop on the the Joes without them being um, kind of noted more easily and earlier as as terrorists. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a no prize, but I don't believe it. I think it's uh, yeah. I think it's just weak storytelling. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, from an art point of view, initially I was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm a fan, but the more I read it, it's his art is kind of stylized enough that I actually I think I quite like the art here. It's yeah, it's it's relatively yeah solid stuff. There there's there's panels here and there which kind of stick out a little bit as maybe being a bit inconsistent, and I think. Um, you know, there's there's moments there where it's a sort of you know, kind of rookie uh, artist kind of tick yeah. of over rendering, maybe perhaps to kind of uh, to that you you know sort of go slightly past the uh, past the point of where maybe there's that clean line which should just uh, you yes. know finish on. Um, yeah, some some of the sort of facial characteristics and so on are a little bit inconsistent, but gen- I'm I'm sort of picking picking hairs here that I think generally it's it's pretty solid stuff and and yep. um, yeah, all lends itself to to telling the story well. Yeah, um, I don't think I've got any um, am I stupid or I spies here. Um, what did I have? So uh, I had the diplomatic pouches again right <laughs> so yep. as they're coming into into sierra gordo they've got their uh diplomatic pouches uh filled with all of their their, their guns which um yeah that that's cropped up a few times in over the last uh last few ish, issues yep. uh a nice yep. one of uh, larry's uh favorite storytelling devices is there as they're going into a, a new uh new country yeah yep, sure. um what else there was uh they took they had uh the they had dd mao um, which is uh, the Vietnamese for get lost um, and that was b- borrowed by uh, American personnel returning from the Vietnam War and was popularised by the movie The Deer Hunter yes yep. um, and yeah the other thought they had was just that, that last point as you said at the very end of it they say are you kidding me the stalker man never drops the ball uh, I'd kind of beg to differ really okay. that um in this uh sequence that um that stalker you know he's the man on the door but they bust through it he's nearly knocked out by a gun butt to the head and then he's also got the drop on him by uh the the girl disguised as the maid so i yes. think it's pure fluke that that he he and the rest of the joes uh aren't, <laughs> aren't wiped out by these terrorists he got he got lucky yeah one of you know yeah. they they do, uh, I think, even make it into the into the room and get the, you know, essentially get the drop on the other two Joes. It's yeah. yeah well, maybe that's considered, um, you know, never dropping the ball. What they went through there, so you know, maybe that's considered good. <laughs> maybe I think they need, need to set their heights on, you know, on their standards a little bit higher. To be yes, honest, yeah, but. yeah. Um, <laughs> well, how how do you feel about Yo Joe in this? What, what sort of score are you coming in with? Uh, 
I'd say maybe six. Funky Bunch with a six. Chief, I think I'm coming in with a six and a half. Yeah. And did you have a, a line of dialogue that stuck uh, out no, to you? No, nothing, nothing stood out for me. What, what have you got? I just had uh, Death to the Running Dog, Lackeys of the Imperious Warmonger, Puppets. Uh, that that is uh, that's a good one actually because that has been used early doors from Larry in the Marvel run as well. Yeah. Standard, so, standard, <laughs> standard like that, like Okay, let's move on to two five two. This is the Baroness. Um, so let's have a quick look at the covers. Actually, there's a lot of covers here. There so is a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just pick out our favourites. We'll put them all up on the socials, but we'll just pick out our favourites now. Uh, David Messina is the interior artist. He does cover A, and I actually really like that cover. Yeah, it's um, it's good. He's sort of got the Baroness with the gun sort of pointed, um, you know, forward, and it you know good foreshadowing and perspective on on that that gun. Um, yeah, good solid uh, illustration. That's probably my favourite. Um, any others you want to call out? Um, yeah, I mean, there's what, how how many? There's one, two, three, four, uh, five, ten, ten total. Um, and and I think it just talks to the popularity of Baroness as a subject for, for artists and collectors, which is probably why yeah. they, they did quite so many. Uh, I'd give a shout out to the uh, Adam Hughes variant there as, as well. And there's an interesting story about that, that this piece of art of the Baroness by Adam Hughes was originally created for Devil's Due, America's Elite, issue 17. Oh, wow. Uh, Long but, time ago. Yeah, but Hasbro vetoed it and they said it was too sexy um, and then he reworked it again, and uh, but they they still didn't approve it, so so it was scrapped as a cover for for Devil's Due, and it was okay. released as a print by Adam Hughes, and uh, but then eventually it was used as a cover to GI Joe issue two in two thousand and nine from IDW, um, and it's yeah being reused again here, so it's uh, yeah not the first rodeo for this cover. <laughs> Mm, okay good stuff good stuff um, um yeah so we got uh let's should we do plot drop breakdown for this issue yeah let's uh t- tell us what's happening so baroness accompanied by a saw viper and frag viper is on a mission supporting the darklonian forces against the local rebels and while they're in a standoff with a sniper in the tower we see a flashback to baroness's past yeah that's right that's right david messina I have read some of his stuff before. I'm struggling to think of books. I think he did a book called The Bounce with Joe Casey at Image. Okay. And I think he's done um, other um, Image books, maybe with Casey again. But yeah, I, his I name rec- is familiar, but I just can't picture the books he's done. Same, yeah, yeah. F- familiar name. Um, yeah, been a- been around the industry doing stuff for, for sure. Yeah. And, and yeah, what do we think? I think generally the here. art, it's pretty, yeah. it's pretty good stuff. It's got a yeah. definite style a consistent style um yeah yeah good colors nice. as well here i think you know quite popping so we've got um we've got uh elisabetta de amico on inks and we've got alessandra alexakis on colors but uh, i think the three of those do a good job here like you said consistent is is a good word to use but yeah quite a lot of storytelling going on here from larry yeah there's um there's sort of the the two sort of things going on really it's the it's this sort of little story of this excursion into dark colonia which which is kind of used as a backdrop to to delve a little bit deeper into the uh, baroness's past and and yeah, yes. explore some territory that we've not really seen too much of uh before so so yeah right, yeah so let's talk about her backstory then so we you know she's given to um 
um, thinking back on her history because she's just saved a little girl's dolly or something like mm-hmm, that. And yeah. then she thinks back to her um, similar childhood with kind of an abrasive dickhead dad. <laughs> and um, she then kind of, that's where she starts rebelling against society kind of thing. Mm-hmm, and against yeah. her father, she goes father, off yeah. to Edinburgh, doesn't she, to uni and becomes a, a student mm-hmm. there, student dissident. And um, this is, is this new history that we learn that she met Destra at uni? I think so, yeah. I don't think this has been touched on before. So we've had sort of hints that they've got some sort of history, but it's never been explicit about what it what it is. Um, and and it, maybe it should have been obvious, but when you see that first page where she's reminiscing about university, mm-hmm. uni in Edinburgh, and she's fencing with this guy, now, I was convinced, reading it the first time around, okay, this is not Destro. Um, I thought, Larry, that is way too much on the nose. That is just, you cannot do that. That is just going to be stupid. And um, Destro's going to, he, this guy's going to do something to injure Baroness and then Destro's going to rock up later and seek revenge or something like that. But then you turn the page and it's like, oh no, actually, yeah, this is Destro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, introduced as the, as the, uh, um, the son of a laird and uh, yeah. then he introduced himself as, my given name is James, but everyone calls me Cully. Um, yep. So at that point, I was still possibly thinking, oh, this is Destro's son. Uh, but that would make Destro quite an old, creepy man. <laughs> it would. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and, and I don't know if, if this is kind of what is intended or not, but um, they neither of them sort of, in this sequence, sort of talk to their real names. So he calls, he's sort of, calls himself James and Cully, um, but, but doesn't give his surname. And no. the uh, Baroness um, says, yeah, is about to introduce... Does say Jacobre. Does does she? She um, says, yeah. Because she's, sure she's see she she's introduced as the daughter of a baroness, and he says I'm burdened with a long string of inherited um, epithets and ep, ep, epithet epithets and appellations. But my father called me, and he goes shh, shush your mouth, and yeah. I can't think of you in pedestrian terms. Henceforth, you are my dear baroness. So I don't know if it's sort of hinted that. They never actually, you know, know each other's real names, which given, you know, how the story progresses and, and, and you know, um, Destro, the young Destro talks about that, the, you know, he wants to marry her. It seems somewhat absurd to suggest that, that they only know each other as Baroness and Cully and they don't know their real names. Um, yeah. That, yeah, seem, would seem a little bit mental that that would yeah. and, <laughs> actually And happen. then we find out in this backstory as well, we find out how Destro got the scar on his face. Well, yes, sort of. Yeah, so so um, he he's in this um, fencing match with, with Baroness and, and is, you know, st- struck across the face and, uh, you know, looks somewhat uh, brutal. But the next time we say... Um, Baron, uh, the Destro's face, he is unscarred. So um, plastic surgery. Maybe he went to the same uh, burn institute. Could of be plastic surgery. <laughs> that Baroness went to yeah. Um, mm. And and so so that kind of uh, uh, yeah. The, we next see sort of Destro and, and Baroness. I think in the early issues of a real American hero when. Um, uh, Destro takes off his mask to reveal his his face, and yeah. then Baroness sort of faints in in recognition. So so it kind of I guess fills in. Uh, I suppose gaps that makes a lot more sense now, yeah, because at the time, mm-hmm. 
you're kind of thinking this guy must be horrifically scarred or you know she's fainted because he's so disgusting but obviously we know that she's fainted because it's the realization of the man under the mask is someone she previously knows yeah or had known and this story kind of plugs in i guess maybe they've gone their separate ways ways and she thought of him as this good guy going to attend the family business and the family business is arms dealing <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah 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 okay and then the other part of the story is the stuff happening in darklonia there's a sniper from the 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 rebels and they he's picking off low or he or she in fact she, it's a she isn't it mm-hmm. she's picking off loads of loads of troops and the baroness sets up her sniper scope there's one a bit of a fluff i think where yeah. she katya says I have no clear shot presented, yeah. and yet the image is a crosshairs right across her neck. Exactly. That makes mm. none sense at yes. all, my friend. Uh, um, yeah, if I'm a patient, sooner or later she will appear in my sights. What? Like right now? Yeah, like right now, love. Yeah. Come on, pull the trigger. They're, but that, that, that kind of plays out as well to the end, which I didn't really understand. Am I stupid? Um because this, she just left. She had the Baroness clearing mm-hmm. her sight because the Baroness shot through the sniper scope, through the enemy catcher's sniper scope, and it would have blown the back of her head off. Yeah. But the only way, they're saying, the only way that could have happened is if Katya had Baroness in her sight, but Katya has bugged out. Yeah, yeah. So, so why, did, why didn't she want to kill Baroness? It's a, it's a good point, and it's, it's um, not very well shown in the storytelling. So... If you if you sort of flick to that page yes. where um, where the um, Darklonian is shot with a big blam at the bottom of the the page. Yep, got it. He's about so, to kill the kid. Yeah. So what's it gonna what's happening here is that um, the the kid is sort of uh, whining, uh, <laughs> I guess, as he might see it, and he says that stupid brat is giving giving away my position. I'm gonna blam, and um, the, flick over the page. Uh, Baroness you've got has Baroness's um, yeah smoking gun. She has killed him, not the the sniper. Um, and then Baroness turns her her gun um, to the to the um, bell tower to take the shot at the the sniper, where it's blam clang rings the bell, and yeah. they think that they've uh, got her. So um, it was that the sniper was ready to get Baroness, but then she the uh, the rebels saw Baroness defending that child and taking out the Darklonian and right. then um that made her think that um yeah she's done a, a good deed okay. I'm not going to I'm not going to shoot her because of okay. uh that honorable action she took to defend the child. All right, I'm not buying it myself. But um <laughs> and also when Baroness kills that that guard, um the rest of his crew would have just been mullering up the Baroness. Uh, yeah, they wouldn't have been too happy about the whole thing, would they? No, no. <laughs> but then the the Sword Viper and Baroness they they proceed up to up to the top of the bell tower, and they are looking. Given that all they've known is that Baroness has taken a shot at the the sniper, and yep. the be- you know and the bell has gone off, you know, with a clang as as the bullet, you know, hits. That's all they know, and they're yes. going up and they are looking very very nonchalant. Uh, as they're as they're heading up to the top of that bell tower, knowing that there was a sniper up there, um, yeah, could be set traps or anything up. They could still yeah. be up there. Yeah. So um, yeah, not not uh, not great there. But anyway, <laughs> um, what, what's your overall thoughts then? How do, what's your yo Joey here? Um, 
all in all, let's give it a seven. It's uh, it, I think it was uh, a, a decent job of filling in some of those uh, gaps with the Baroness and Destro history yep. that that makes some degree of sense uh, okay. given given what we know already. I'm going with a six. I really like the art, but I didn't want that backstory of Destro and Baroness, so <laughs> okay. I'm, that's why it's losing marks for me. Um, the other one that I had uh, was. A uh, my favourite bit of dialogue and and also a little bit of um, whoa whoa wait a minute Mr Hammer we've got a little real uh, hammerism here it's uh, I think we are all going to put our weapons on safe before we have multiple accidental discharges resulting in sucking chest wounds and other egregious ballistic traumas yeah there you go there you go he's extended out his sucking chest wounds to um, carry another he's, he's used a few of those other um, words in sentences that you described, but he's chucked them all together in one, <laughs> one mouthful this time. Let's well, yeah, chuck in all of those egregious words yeah, all in yeah. one mouthful. Um, um, and uh, in this, in this, the other thing I wanted to shout out in this issue is that in the letters page, um, it they they discuss uh, well. One of the letter writers asks about the sword shri- the sword shrine incident that was referenced okay, yes. in the in the previous arc and in when we discussed it in the podcast yesterday i said i wasn't entirely sure if that was something new or if it was something that we should already know about last and week not yesterday did i say yesterday yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i meant yeah. last yeah last pod yeah another coffee yeah go on carry on <laughs> yeah um so uh larry confirmed that he hasn't worked out what the sword shrine incident is but anything beyond the name so um it might okay. be something that we find out more about in the in the future and yep. we weren't uh, pathetic noobs for not knowing what it was good good uh let's move on to 253 and this is duke most people's most hated <laughs> the most hated <laughs> the most hated uh let's have a quick look at covers so we've got uh, brian shearer doing cover a and he is the interior artist here yeah. uh, we've got cover b by john royal and we've got the retailer incentive by larry now the retailer incentive one i've got only got the small inside um the small mm-hmm. picture inside the cover of my issue but it looks to have not scanned quite as well. It's quite faint. Yeah, it does from that that image. Um, and actually, um, what you'll notice as well is that the Brian Shearer cover is actually uh, an interpretation of the Duke uh, figure from uh, Larry's sketch there. Yes, correct. Yep. yep. So, I like uh, that Brian Shearer cover, actually. Okay. Yeah, I think it looks pretty mean, Duke. You know, it's fairly simple, bullet holes in the wall. Uh, the John Royal one is nice as well. Is that uh, Duke? Is, is that supposed to be Wild Weasel? Maybe. Yeah, that's uh, Wild Weasel, isn't it? That he's um, okay. d- 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 looks like Duke's parachuting down and, and shooting yep. uh, shooting at Wild Weasel through the the canopy of yep. the Rattler. Yep, there you go. Um, nothing mind blowing from these covers, but but you know, fairly solid. Yeah, all decent, decent enough. Um, yep. I'd probably go with a pick out of the three. I'd probably go for the for the Royal. Uh, yeah. Just in terms of the you know the energy that that's in that image. Yep, yep, good stuff. Uh, we've seen Brian Shearer providing inks uh, over SL Gallant for many many issues, and here yeah. he's kind of getting his moment in the sun, so to speak. And I think he does a good job on the art here. Yeah, it's uh, it is good. I think yeah, it's it's all very solid. Um, it's not flashy, but it's consistent. The yep. you know the story all reads very clearly. Um, I think there's good storytelling. Um, 
yeah, yeah. yeah he, d- he does a good job considering Larry's given him a bit of a stinker of a story. I <laughs> did not like this one at all. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Going straight in with a stinker. I didn't yeah. mind it too much. <laughs> um, I don't know. It just, I found... So, I don't... Okay, it's labelled as a Duke special mission. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really do anything. He's not even centre stage, really. He doesn't do anything to make the story about him. And the other characters... In it, I didn't particularly... Okay, fine, you've got Roadblock, and then you've got another couple of people in this squad, but they're no-name people that didn't really imprint on me at all. And turn that page... So they're basically on some sort of convoy. Oh, yeah, give us... Actually, give us a uh, give us a bit of a breakdown, actually. Okay. That'd help. Sometime before they join G.I. Joe, Duke and Re- Roadblock... I'll start that again. Sometime before they join G.I. Joe, Duke and Roblox are in the U.S. forces, supporting the Emir against the forces of Colonel Sharif. Their convoy is ambushed. They fight back and are victorious, but Specialist Maureen Mo Hennessy is a casualty of the conflict. Yeah, so, and, well, that that kind of sums it up well, because we know she's going to die on page two. Oh, oh yeah, because it says that she's only got a short term to serve. She's a short time. She's <laughs> going to bartender school and all this jazz, and her mum doesn't like blah blah blah. Right, okay, you're biting the big one, love. So you are. It's over for you, and that kind of took away a lot of suspense from the story for me. Yeah, I um, mean it, it. It is a massive cliche, isn't it? The uh, the person with, with sign, only a yeah. short term to, to serve. I'm only yeah. I'm only one week from retirement. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Stood on a landmine, but. No, look, I mean, yeah, I don't know, it just, it's it's a special mission, but when you compare it to the one-off special missions from the ARA era, the Marvel ones, it mm-hmm. just, I don't know, it just feels very flat and lifeless and, I don't know, it just didn't do anything for me. Maybe it's the colour palette, it's very sandy, yellowy-brown, maybe that's not helping, but overall, I just, yeah, just didn't do anything for me. Yeah, I mean, it's, when we're talking about sort of special missions and the, that label of special mission, sort of you know recalling the original Marvel run of the twenty-eight issues or whatever it was, um, that that those were very much a you know team of Joes together. Um, quite often, Joes who didn't get necessarily so much airtime on a you know de- very definitely a special mission, often against some sort of Cobra-affiliated um, th- threat. Um, you know, of the three. Uh, issues here we've got stalker against uh, in a team against a uh, uh, you know non-cobra threat and that's probably closest in in terms of um, you know aligning to the previous special mission kind of scope you've then got uh, the second issue is is baroness and co um, without any joes in the issue so i think it might be the first gi joe issue that doesn't feature any gi joes um, in it and then this third one is is less of a special mission and more of a an untold story of of yes. Duke and Roadblock before they were in in GI Joe because it's not yeah they're not necessarily kind of a, a special mission per se but more of more of them in the army on a on a you know on an activity where they're they're ambushed and have to have to deal with it um, yeah. so yeah probably less of a feel of uh, the 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 kind of the the typical G.I. Joe special mission. I yeah. think you said before that you're less keen on kind of the standard army type G.I. Joe stories uh, yeah. where there's a lot of uh, kind of, you know, a lot of focus on the all of the military hardware that is being used. And, and there's definitely a lot of that in this issue. Yeah, I mean, I've not got much to say, I'll be honest. I can react to your stuff. But is there anything you want to talk about this issue? 
Um, so I guess it, you know we can talk about the fact that it's filling in some of the bl- blanks on Geo uh, on Geo Joe's history. So we've got Duke and Roadrock Roblox um, pre Joe days, and you know the fact that it ends on Duke saying that they've got a job offer over at Staten Island. Yep. Um, mind you, that sign kind of conflicts with the opening intro to the story, which is says that it's some time before the formation of the Geo Joe training team. Okay. Um, yes. yep. Oh well, let's just ignore that bit. Um, a little Easter egg there is the fact that they're up against Colonel Sharif. Um, right. So Colonel Sharif uh, is the ruler of uh, the uh, an emirate in Hot Potato in uh, GI Joe One, uh, right. and then later in issue fifty three, Dusty and Mainframe are sent to advise a group of royalists in their fight against uh, Sharif, and he also crops up as the the baddie in a in a special missions as as well, where they're over in uh, uh, over somewhere <laughs> and i think it's okay. the pilot is he called deke or something like that mm, um maybe that they uh that they support on that that mission so it's a yeah call back to uh to to that uh that baddie and 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 here uh he, here he's presented as uh a successionist forces and and the gi joe and well the the u.s army rather as supporting the um you know the current rulers um whereas in the subsequent issues it's colonel sharif who is who is the 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 ruler so um you know that's an interesting foreshadowing that that um in terms of this conflict uh the u.s forces are not successful because he does end up um taking control of uh the uh the emirates so yeah um i found it yeah interesting that that point where um Mo is shot in the in the face, and you know made me think a little bit of uh, that incident with uh, Falcon as as well. Where that, oh, he patched that, himself that, up, pa- patched himself up, and yeah, Mo does a decent job at patching her her face up as well. And uh, she sort of brushes it off as saying that uh, the shot to your cheek, it, no, it's a shot that, that it went through clean through um, out the other side and didn't break, you know, didn't touch any bone. But if you think about it, being shot through your cheek. And coming out the other side without hitting any sort of bone, that's pretty amazing. You know, just think about the way your own face and mouth works. Yeah. Um, and the, the space... At, at pace, they were the, the moving vehicle. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And the I think the only way you could achieve that would be to be at maximum, you know, jaw extension so that you're not, you know, you've got a decent gap in between your, your teeth and then for it to go in your cheek, between your two layers of teeth, out the other side, you know... That's a very precise uh, yeah. angle. Very fortunate. Skills. <laughs> Skills. It's kind of what you're trained for, isn't it? <laughs> mm. uh, we had a good. Um, we had a good hammerism as as well in in there, where um, uh, Larry has got a habit of uh, you know really um, uh, trump uh, trying to uh, to sound the trumpet for uh, American manufactured autos. Uh, and he, uh, he says that the, and this will be my quote for the uh, favorite quote for the okay, issue yeah, as well, that, uh, that, that, um, an export Japanese pickup T-boned by American built Humvee pickups loses. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, go, go USA autos. I think that's is it, uh, the it. moral of uh, that particular story. <laughs> But uh, yeah, we haven't talked too much about the the action. There, you know, it's quite a uh, sort of an action focused issue. That that the sort of the the main thing is is that you know the 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 U.S. forces have been sort of surprised and ambushed, and they sort of they try and uh, turn it around. And, and Duke has this kind of quite, I guess, filmic 
um, action sequence where he's in this this um, you know truck uh, that, that's full of fuel being chased by uh, being chased by the insurgents where where he you know fills it up with grenades jumps out onto the top of a Humvee is caught by a roadblock and then uh, and then the uh, the truck explodes be- behind him um, yeah that's yeah, it, good action scene, ex- good big action expe- big extended uh, sequence um, that very uh, and then we you know all wraps up we sort of uh, the, the the sad passing of uh, uh, Maureen uh, Hennessy there uh, and we're left with that sort of scene at the end of it where um, it looks like Duke and Roadblock are breaking the news to uh, her brother yeah yes, her correct, brother yeah. Um, <laughs> and I don't know just reading the wording of that it, it doesn't sound like a completely uh, empathetic kind of way of uh, breaking the news to your uh, <laughs> of your colleague's deceased uh, your sort of mourning uh, family really she knew she was bleeding out yeah <laughs> kept there doing was, her job there was so much blood from her facial wound she didn't even realise she was hit elsewhere yeah um, yeah strong. yeah <laughs> I've got yeah but I've got some, got some good news we've been offered a, a job um. yeah. yeah you fellas want a double whiskey <laughs> I mean yeah yeah um, what's your yo Joe here all right, let's go um, six and a half on on this one. <laughs> six point five from Funky Bunch. Chief coming in with a five, I think. Oh, okay. That's that's quite low on your scoring. Yeah, yeah. I didn't enjoy that. Never going to read it again. Um, right, next week, uh, episode one hundred. We will not be reviewing any comics. We will be discussing GI Joe the movie animated. So. Um, if that's not fresh in your mind that's your homework for next week go and watch that movie we'll be back with comics on 101 and we'll be doing the last two of the special missions so that's 254 featuring Destro and 255 which I think is Scarlet so yeah yeah, good stuff Um, after doing comics we need to talk more toys and uh, I'm coming to you Mark talks about toys ho ho he talks about G.I. Joe he talks about all the toys from the comic book and the animated show. Mark talks about toys. Mark talks about toys. Right, okay. So if we're trying to keep it based on the comics we've read, mm-hmm. we've not, from that last issue, the choices we've pretty much got are Duke or Roadblock. <laughs> from the middle one, we've got maybe Baroness, Frag Viper or Saw Viper. And from mm-hmm. the first one, Stalker or I've forgotten who was even on I that mission. it was Zap, Shipwreck... Oh yeah, um, shipwreck. And Spirit was in the beginning, wasn't he? Okay, yeah. so uh, oh, I'm tempted to say Zap because has anyone ever Ooh, talked about Zap? Sold something. Whoa, <laughs> cash money for the funky bunch sales on eBay. Is that is that uh, it going to be enough for you to purchase an action figure with that money? No, that's that's oh, uh, boo. Yeah, that's some Disney Infinity figures being sold there. Oh, I've, I was about to sell a load of mine. Did, did you get much for them? I got about. I've got about 15 Star Wars ones I'm trying to sell. Yeah, they don't go for a huge amount. I, that's, uh, I put them up for few. 10 quid for 15. And for 15? Oh, you go crazy with your with your sales. You're always way underpriced. Them. 15? Oh, no, no one bought them. Unsold. Okay. Bizarre. Okay. Do you want them? Uh, I've probably got them all, but um, okay. if there's any gaps, I'll, I'll take I'll take, um, I'll take the ones right. I've got. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, that deviation aside. <laughs> yes, um, what were we talking Oh, yeah, talk- so I'm saying Zap. Okay, that's a yeah, an interesting one. That would have been a good one to pick, but I didn't. <laughs> no. What have you gone for instead? Tell I have me. gone for Stalker. 
Okay. So um, I think you are familiar with the basic of basics of the character because you've got uh, Jammer. Oh, in, correct. I've got Jammer. Uh, yeah, let me grab him. I've got him over here by the TV. So he's uh, he's the oh. UK uh, version of he's got the Z Force on the with the Z Force logo sort of exactly the, exactly the same mold. Uh, the same mould, slightly different colouring. He's obviously got a red beret um, and the I think he's got the Z-Force logo on his chest. Is that yeah, right? he's got the Z-Force logo, but yeah, everything else is the same. Yeah, I think his camo uh, colours might be slightly is different, different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the, but jam, the, the jammer one's mold. much better. It's green and it's got the, the black instead of the dark green for the camo, but mm. it's kind of a blurry um, application of that black rather than the, the kind of okay. thick, uh, straight um, outlines on the dark green of of Stalker, the, the Jammer application I think is superior. But anyway, carry on. We're not talking about Jammer. Yeah, so yeah, Jammer. I think he was an exclusive along with Gaucho on right. the uh, the Z Force version of the GI Joe uh, HQ base. And yeah, well, I think in, then in the UK we did actually see a subsequent release of Stalker uh, in the Palatoy uh, era. Um, which yeah with, was with, with was much closer uh, to then the the actual uh, American version of uh, yeah. Stalker. You and had this guy. I don't think I actually ever did have him in my youth in in terms okay. of the the V one. You got him now though, Stalker. have you? And nope. So we as the story is that me and Pete sort of filled in pretty much every single uh, gap in our collection before Peter then had a massive burnout on the whole G.I. Joe thing and sold everything on uh, on eBay so uh, don't have him but yeah it's probably one that I might go back and uh, and re-collect I would quite like okay. I would quite like to get build up a complete set of of kind of that uh, early era uh, yep. Joe's so okay. uh, let's see what Okay. Oh, go on. Yeah, you got well, you got file card or something. A file card. Should we hear about yeah, him? So, uh, stalker. File name uh, Wilkinson Lorenzo. Sorry, file name Wilkinson Lonzo R. Uh, he was born, as we know, in Detroit, Michigan. His primary specialty is infantry. Secondary specialty medic and interpreter. Stalker was a warlord of a large urban street gang. Um, so you know he wasn't you know this was probably after the point at which he was uh, being bullied on the street um, in Detroit that we just saw uh, so uh, deviation aside he was the warlord of a large urban street gang prior to enlistment fluent in Spanish Arabic French and Swahili graduated top of class basic combat training advanced training in, uh, infantry training top of class special training u.s army language school intelligence school qualified expert in oh, a long list of uh, weapons there and uh, uh, the quote is functions well under high stress situations intelligent perceptive moves like some sort of jungle cat fast silent strong Okay, interesting. He functions well under high-stress situations. Okay, yep, <laughs> so, yep. resilient. The kind of guy who wouldn't need to see a shrink, is what we're saying. Yes. Um, and he didn't come with a huge amount of accessories, uh, actually. He came with this uh, quite uh, kind of iconic and recognisable uh, weapon called a black M32 pulverizer submachine gun. And I did a little bit of a Google foo on this, and... Um, I was surprised to see actually that this is not a real world weapon. Um, it is um, 
a combination sort of inspired by various uh, real world guns um, and that sort of straight magazine and the the kind of the funky stock that it's got on it yep. is uh, is quite sort of distinctive and, and doesn't really appear on uh, on the kind of the equivalent real world uh, guns that that inspired okay. it. so uh yeah interesting um yeah, good stuff i mean on the figure itself i'm looking at he's got a nice uh, grenade on the front and there's some he's got couple of pouches on the uh, upper arms pouches on the thighs uh, i like the he's got the roll neck collar kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah that's to, a lot of them i think airborne had that as well didn't he yeah i think v1 snake eyes might have had something similar yes. as yep. well yep. And, and actually a lot of the um you know original series one had that kind of yeah. that roll neck look to it which sculpting on the head is is very nice um yeah very it's distinctive a, it's a great looking figure yeah, I mean, there's not too much, you know, sort of complexity to it, but but it's sort of very a very distinctive outfit, and and it's you know not surprising that that it's sort of one of Larry's Ham, Larry Hammer's favourites, and and has really stood the test of time, and you know, however many years on it is now, you know, he back in this uh, issue two fifty one, that's pretty much that same outfit. Yeah, yeah. I've got uh, plenty of rust on my on, on my screws on the legs. I've got very loose knee joints, but um, the rest, the rest of him is pretty tight. Yeah, he's 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 survived. Both thumbs still intact. A bit of paint wear on my, the face of mine, but um, yeah, great figure. Good stuff. There Good we stuff. go. Let's have a round of applause there. Stalker version one. Well done, Stalker. Well done, Stalker. Um, more toys. Well, we, I'm sure we're going to talk toys next week with all the other co-hosts jumping on. Um, <laughs> what do you think? Di- do you think Chris and, and Steve might want to talk and, uh, about toys? S gems and, yeah, and then Ben. In if, fact, <laughs> if, if I said to them, uh, right, there's going to be no toy talk, they probably would petition the show. But um, hmm. moving from toys, we're going to move on to this. You're listening to Talking Joe, and now for something completely different. <laughs> That's right, I've started the clock, it's 10 minute Mando, we're underway. Um, I have got a bit of a revelation at the end of this little segment that um, I will give out, but anyway, um, we're talking here episode, season 2 episode 3, which is, uh, I don't know what this one's called. This is The Heiress, it is directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, who we last saw directing chapter 4, The Sanctuary. And is written once again by John Favreau. Yes. Now this is a short one. I timed this one. This is about twenty-nine minutes of actually storytelling. Ah, interesting. Something like that. Uh, the episode is something like thirty-five or thirty-six minutes, but there's about five minutes of credits, and then about one minute at the beginning, which is um, recap. So it's about twenty-nine or thirty minutes of actual story. So very, very short. But. It felt like they packed a lot into that thirty minutes. Mm, yeah, there was a lot going on. It, it um, and you know, out the gate, I'll say I really enjoyed it. It was um, one of my very uh, favourite episodes. I think out, yeah, you know, in I terms th- of my initial reaction to the thing. I think as well that it was one of my favourites as well, um, as well as well. So <laughs> at, at the beginning, I mean, so. You're either in one camp or the other, I think, in terms of what you want from your Star Wars content. So, where they he's he's crashed the ship down into this. Um, I don't know where it is. Some sort of sea-based. Yeah, I, um, I wondered whether it might be the place. planet of Moncala, um, given right. all the inhabitants. But it's uh, it's the water planet of Trask, 
Okay, all right, fine. Um, so they're on Trask, and you see, like you said, the Moncows, the Quarrens, and then when you go out, because he's, he's still... So let's just recap. His mission is he's trying to get the kids somewhere. Do we know, do we know where? He's probably been... Um, he wants to return it to the Jedi, is... Ah. He, he was yeah somewhat it's somewhat clear i guess in terms of him describing it to the mandalorians in this episode that that that's yeah. kind of how he described it and i i wonder yes. is that the first time that they've said jedi in the in the series but maybe um, it maybe yeah, he was yeah it, i think some previously it was sort of he wants to return it to his own kind etc yes. but but he was quite you know he was clear in this episode he wants to return it to to the jedi yeah and he's hopping around he's here to find another mando that's going to hopefully help him on his journey mm-hmm. and um when he is uh, initially going out to sea he's like on a on a quarren fishing trawler mm-hmm, now right. uh, my point was uh, originally was from your star wars content do you want to be digging in the weeds and watching quarren fishing boats my initial <laughs> thought was no i don't i want more of a bigger storytelling i don't want these individual personalized low-key everyman stories um, but I think I might have turned around on that a little bit. I think um, as a as a setting, it was kind of interesting that they've gone down the route of okay, he's on this fishing trawler. They're gonna what they're gonna find? Okay, they've got this creature in the hold, and they captured him. And I think it progressed quick enough into some big full blown action. And yeah, it's um, not like they did events. a five episode arc where they're stuck on the fishing boat. It it no, did progress. That was, Pace. That was my worry. My worry <laughs> is we're going to get bogged down in the weeds of all this. Yeah, and yeah. Ben, that's the kind of stuff he would love. He wants to learn more about the Star Wars universe and more Star Wars lore. Mm-hmm. And this would be right up his alley. Yeah. If they did a five-episode uh, thing about being on a fishing trawler, he would love that. But uh, not. Yeah, for it's cheap. it's not like you know they weren't named um, characters any of these quarrens or anything like that. So it no. wasn't like they were trying to build out build out too too much there. But no. I I liked that um, you know. I think a lot of the people who, who've been watching The Mandalorian will have seen that, that Beskar is this incredibly valuable substance. And as someone who has coated himself in Beskar, it's like he's a, a you know walking, talking treasure chest. You know, why, how could he go about that? And wouldn't, wouldn't every, you know, scumbag, um, uh, you know, villain be, be looking to take him out so that they could yes. take his armour? Um, given its its value and I guess this is you know one of the first times that's properly addressed in in terms of um, in terms of he's you know walked into into a trap uh, yes. ironically given the uh, supporting cast um, and uh, and they're looking specifically to to do that to take his his armor so it's it's yep. uh, it was satisfying to see that kind of niggling plot point uh, addressed. Yes, yep, yep. And he gets saved by some Mandos. And my initial thought was, whoa, is this Sabine Wren? But then I thought, no, wait a minute, that's completely out of the wrong timeline. Um, she would... Actually, no, when... Re- no, it could, it could be. have been Sabine. Yeah, yeah. It could have been, it could have been, I, a, it could have been an older Sabine Wren. Don't want, yeah. But, but, yeah, I thought yeah, it was going to be, but thought. then they they de-helmet, they defrock themselves, <laughs> so to speak, and it's someone called Bo-Katan. Now... The name was somewhat familiar to me, and she and I don't know if the other two characters also, but were she was definitely featured in Star Wars Clone Wars animated. Now I watched up to series six when it first came out, 
Uh-huh. And I'm completely forgotten it though, and I'm doing a rewatch now, and I think I'm just about to. I'm about midway through season four. I'm just starting a Mandalore arc, and I think she might crop up in that, but um, I don't know if she crops up also in season seven, which I definitely haven't watched, but it has made me realise and think that I'm not going to be watching any more Mandalorian show until I've finished watching Clone Wars. And Ben said, even Rebels, he said, you don't want Ahsoka to be popping up in Mandalorian having not seen her arc in season seven of Clone Wars. Well, um, yeah, I mean, so I don't... I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually putting the brakes on Mandalorian now. So yeah, I don't, I don't personally know how much, you know, of a spoiler it would be. That I think, I think they, they kind of will be approaching it well enough that that they'll know that a lot of people um, will be watching this who haven't watched all of Rebels and haven't Absolutely. watched all of Clone Wars. So they'll, they'll be approaching it with a storytelling angle. Yeah. That, I it, think you can still follow it and still in, absolutely enjoy it, yeah, but yeah. that. But Agre- if you agree. do know all of that backstory, it will just add a lot more depth and, and texture to it. So yeah, uh, I I've from- I've seen all of Rebels. I haven't watched all of Clone Wars yet, but but I'll keep on playing ahead with it. And and I imagine that uh, the blanks won't actually be you know won't be cons- enough worry to to. Um, to cause me any real concern because because you know the the main headlines are kind of obvious so in this case you know that that um bo katan here you know they give you the plotted history the fact that um she's a mandalorian rebel she's um you know just wants to to sort of get back to mandalore and, and sort of try and um take take that back there's a yes. backstory there to be to you know to explore but actually you don't need all of all of the, to 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 you know watch everything end to end to you know understand that motivation. Um, no, exactly, exactly. I think for me on a personal point is I just want to know what's happened to those characters in between, just from a personal point sure. of view. So I think you're right in that clearly they're writing they're not writing this series with the intent of you having to have watched something else. That would be silly. Um, so everything is going to be perfectly understandable. But and. If you hadn't any knowledge of Bo-Katan, you wouldn't be thinking, oh, I need to go back and seek out mm-hmm. all those other things. You just go with the flow. But because yeah, yeah. I know that some of these characters have been in previous shows, I want to fill in the blanks myself mm-hmm. before we get to that. So um, anyway, there's a... there's. So um, let's talk about they Bo-Katan also... while we're on it, shall we? So she's played by Katie Sackoff, who right. provided the bo- voice of Bo-Katan in the Star Wars animated series Clone Wars and Rebels. Okay. Um, so, yeah, very cool to see the same actor who voiced uh, the character on the cartoons playing yeah, the person in, in the flesh because where there's been other similar things, they have been um, recast. So, yes. so yep. um, as you said, that, that we're probably going to be seeing um, uh, what's-her-face snips um, yep. in a future episode um, and that that, that uh, has been recast um, as you know according to all of the uh, yep. things that we know um, yeah she's got a good uh, good sort of history in, in sci-fi as well because she's uh, uh, Sackoff is, is known for playing uh, Starbuck in the Battlestar Galactica uh, okay. remake as, as, right. as well but they, yeah, they the, allude to that their way is the right way for Mandalorians yeah. and actual Mando is, is he's the renegade kind of scumbag cult 
Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of interesting because it sort of turn you know flip reverses stuff and turns it on its head and and explains a lot as well because you know if you've seen any, seen any of the Clone Wars and stuff you'll know that Mandalorians have been taken off their helmets so this whole yeah. uh, I can't do it kind of doesn't make exactly a huge amount of sense so no. um, yeah they're kind of describing his um, sect of of Mandalorians as being you know, a cult of religious zealots yeah. that broke away from Mandalorian. Um, um, society and it's interesting he says no no it's you it's you that's not the real Mandalorian and and she says this armour has been in my family for three generations I was born on Mandalore and fought in the purge I'm the last of my line so she's definitely uh, a Mandalorian whereas uh, he he was sort of um, a child brought into it Uh, time uh, yeah so so find somewhat ironic that he's he's sort of arguing with her mansplaining the mando way yeah. Yeah. Um, well we didn't get to talk about any of the stormtroopers or oh, that big word. fight on the so on much. the ship or anything so uh, that's tough that's tough to <laughs> 10 minutes that's all you get but did like seeing those stormtroopers run down the corridors on that ship um that was a great fight scene and the the officer i thought he obeyed moff gideon a little bit too easily to suddenly yeah. ditch the ship what what dirt has moff gideon got on that guy <laughs> but, yeah another guy and um another guy from uh, deadwood as well actually um, right titus uh Welliver, okay. uh, from deadwood lost and bosch oh, uh, um, yeah good. that that sequence as well towards the end that sort of that was the thing that i didn't like was the most was that um we've got these real you know badass mandalorians who are just sort of taking down these the stormtroopers you know yes. left right and center with pinpoint accuracy and and really showing up um actually the, our hero Mandalorians somewhat more limited skill set because yes. uh, they're definitely a lot more uh, skilled uh, than, than he is and when it's his time to shine um, his moment in the sun is, is basically he just takes a bunch of grenades run down the, cor- yeah. runs down the corridor um, is, is shot at about a thousand times but it's protected by his armour yeah. and then lobs a grenade the distance of about a metre uh, to take out the stormtroopers um, yeah. me and Thomas watching that episode uh, that segment just looked at one another and said couldn't he have just chucked them down the corridor yes. <laughs> instead yeah. that, that made no sense to me um, okay, listen. Uh, I will. There'll be no more Mando madness, but the ten-minute Mando. But we might. I might. I'm thinking about bringing it back for one final ten-minute Mando. Uh, when I have finished watching all of Clone Wars and Rebels, I'm going to try and sweep all that up in the next three or four weeks. Shall we? Shall we maybe see what happens next episode? And no, I'm not watching. It. I told you, I'm not watching. <laughs> so you can go it ahead might, and watch it. It might be that there's no no backstory needed. It might be a one Don't and care. done. No, you know, not watching it. Special mission. Not it. No, Ugh. not for me. Um, okay, but we, but we can talk the... about it and just you put your hands in your ears no, and go la no. la 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 la. We do, do a recap of episodes <laughs> four through eight. Um, uh, you know, in like three or four weeks' time. All right. Okay. How much? How much watching have you got to do? How where are you with your claim was? So I've got half of season four, then season five, season six, season seven, and all the rebels. Crikey. So that's at least get cracking, chief. Get cracking. Um, listen, uh, we have got answers from you, the listeners, to a question that we posed you. Uh, what was the question, sir? So we. Oh, wait a minute! You got to do the little song first. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to do, do a song? Do you want to do a song? Um, put you on the spot. You've not. Right, okay. You've not sung about this for a while. Okay. We asked you a question on all the social media places. It's not just for politics or slagging people off. It's for good stuff like getting questions answered about G.I. Joe stuff. Very good. Um, And the question was... 
So we said we've reached uh, 250 in our, our readathon and it feels like, you know, we've, we've got a change in the guard in terms of the art, art team. We've wrapped up uh, the Dawn um, big five-part story arc. We've got the special missions starting up. It feels like a bit of the beginning of a, a new era of Larry's G.I. Joe telling. What kind of stuff would you like to see, you know, coming up in G.I. Joe um, yeah, in the future issues, 2251 yep, um, and beyond. Yeah, good responses, as always, from everyone. Uh, we'll read out uh, a couple of things we got. So Gary said, let Larry do more one-shot or two-part stories and have Brian Shearer ink over Rod Wiggum or SL Gallant pencils as a treat and find a way to include Ron Joseph and Nitho Diaz too. And then Ron Joseph chimed in as, as well on the on the thread. So that's G.I. Joe artist Ron Joseph. And he said, I'd like to do some more lost stories about Quinn or Road Pig. I love Road Pig. And don't get me started on Cobra La. And I had to clarify, you, you, does, don't get me started. Does that mean you like Cobra La or don't like Cobra La? And he said, love Cobra La. Except the <laughs> la 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 bit. Yes. I'd like to see a, uh, some more Road Pig stuff or a Quinn's lost story. That'd be good, actually. Yeah. Why not? That more Quinn. Good. good one. Yeah, more Quinn. Um, Peter said, get Rod Wiggum back for a few issues. That would be amazing. And he is the his all-time favourite Joe artist. Mm. Uh, Mike said, I think deep dives into past stories would be cool, like the IDW Chuckles run. Reading some different authors behind, besides Hammer might be a fresh take. Either way, I'm going to listen to you guys till the wheels fall off the podcast. Whoa. Okay, good stuff, Mike. Um... Yeah, interesting to know what they will do with ARA if Larry ever decides I'm done with this. Do they? Because obviously they have tried other GI Joe runs that have petered out and not gone anywhere or got cancelled. ARA seems to be the yeah. only one that has any legs. Well, yeah, I he, mean the Devil's Due universe that was sort of built on the foundations of the original uh, 155 ARA run yeah so i guess it's not without precedent that someone would want to yeah. carry on I mean, the, the know, hammerverse legacy but i know um idw obviously had their their own continuity continuity that did do well i'm kind of talking about more recently where you know the the current paul aller book i think is that getting cancelled um, um i don't know that it's been cancelled yet okay i read somewhere it's being cancelled yeah could well the, be uh the citizen run obviously that got cancelled um there was the karen travis was it i don't know if that was planned as a 12-part story or just 12 and ended but um mm. if, you, if it's not got real american here in the title i think your days are probably numbered from issue one but would what would you would you like to see someone else jump onto this book if larry jumped off or do you think idw would just can the whole thing Mm, I don't know. I'm, I'd be conflicted if if it was Larry's decision that he, you know, wanted to leave and didn't, yeah. you know, didn't have the, the the time or energy to carry on with the, this, you know, his Hammerverse. Yes. And he wanted to give the blessings to to somebody else like Chuck Dixon or someone to continue yeah, on. Yeah, get Larry his... off, man. Get Larry off the book. Get someone, <laughs> get someone better on. I say. It, you know, it, I'm I'm sure it's it's a rich playground for for people and 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 I know that a lot of writers have you know a genuine massive affection for yes. the world that he's created and and if you're going to write in a gi joe world that that you know you you would like to do you know most most writers i guess would with the, that sort of affection would like to be in the proper gi joe world and not yeah. not some um you know alternative offshoot. Uh, yeah. offshoot thing so yeah. um i 
yeah i i don't know i'm conflicted i okay. i i if is you know if it if it was larry's choice and and um some decent teams came on i'm sure there's plenty of room to tell some good stories and in- inject some new energy and ideas into into the universe um so i'm sure i'd uh, i'd you know stay along for the ride yep yep um bart said i'd like to see the brainwave scanner destroyed for good and blue ninjas powered down forever and um, Peter as long said, as "Larry's around. That's not going to happen." But, yeah. <laughs> and Peter said, um, of, uh, "Obviously, we need more n- ninja n- nonsense and a twelve-part story involving the brain scanner and blue ninjas." <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, and there was a response to that actually, wasn't there? Chris uh, yeah. said, "Only if it's the first eleven issues are various factions gathering together and then travelling to wherever the final issue showdown will be taking place." <laughs> And as long as the ending is anticlimactic, I can't take the excitement. Destro just makes a trade deal at the end of it, and then everyone's happy. There you go. Uh, good, you go. Uh, good insight there, Peter. <laughs> um, yeah, but but uh, that that's all very tongue in cheek. Obviously, uh, yeah. Pete's main comment was that he just liked to see more coherent storytelling and yes. for it to make sense, yep, uh, yep. which seems like a bit bit too much of an ask at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, Richard said Red Shadows as their own men not operating as some weird adjunct of Cobra yeah I think I think there's um, I think that's a very good point actually that, that it, it, it does seem a little bit like a shame that, that yeah the Red Shadows the Black Major have been introduced but really they it, it, it's almost that they just could be any you know secondary Cobra you know leader in their place you know the red the the black major could have been major blood the 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 red shadows could have been just basic cobra troopers the way that they've been used yes. um yeah defining the red shadows faction and having it be its own thing a little bit more um yeah that that would be an interesting uh way to go yeah definitely definitely um, um and then we had a another comment. Uh, sorry, I've left left uh, off your name. This might be um, uh, Richard again. Actually, uh, he says essentially I'm uh, enjoying the comic a little bit more than your chief, but it's clear that Sainted Larry is running a bit empty on Cobra. A lot of his best tales were in the pages of special missions, where the enemy frequently wasn't Cobra, and has gone gone near this a few times at IDW without really pulling the trigger often enough. The Shads, in fact, anyone non-Cobra on a more committed basis would be very welcome. So, yes. yeah, some interesting comments there. What, Chief, from your mind, uh, would you like to see more of in uh, in the upcoming issues? Um, difficult one, because I honestly feel a bit G.I. Joe'd out. So I'm not sure there would be... I think I've had enough of G.I. Joe stories. I think I've got all the G.I. Joe stories I need to last me a lifetime and I'm probably talking issues one to a hundred, something like that. And I'm I'm kind of getting I'm kinda getting burnt out on the whole G.I. Joe IP uh, in general. And difficult so it's a difficult question for me to answer. What what would I like to see that would reinvigorate you know my love of this book? And I I don't know. I can't I can't put my finger on anything. So bit of a shame. But what about you? Uh, well, I, I definitely agree with most of the points uh, here. Um, I think you know, if we can step away some from some of uh, the the ninja stuff, step away from the brain scanner and, and blue ninjas, um, have uh, yeah, have, have a bit more focus on on some of the secondary joes and, and sort of maybe a little bit less of um, sort of flittering from you know one to another and you know sort of try and develop 
some of, some of the other Joes a, a little bit more. So it's maybe just a le- little bit less of just seeing them, you know, here and there on a on one story or a panel, but but kind of develop them nicely in the way that, for example, we got a bit of a focus on uh, someone like uh, Ripcord in the ori- original run. Yeah, yeah. Why not sort of. Uh, you know, we've introduced the shadows. Why not properly flesh them out? Where they come from? What's their their motivations, uh, etc. Et um, yeah, just sort of uh, try and uh, try and sort of step away and then sort of focus on something a little bit more of a, a, a different story to some of the stuff that that we've uh, that we've seen. Yeah, some you know a real um, yeah sort of something new into into the to the to the gi joe world have um and have cobra kind of having them as a proper threat a lot of the time it's sort of they'll have a big scheme and it sort of ends up you know winding away into to, to nothing which is kind of you know what happened with that ling torres um story line yes, yeah. um so so yeah having having them being a credible threat and doing something out there in the world as a as a terrorist organization rather than it it, it sort of being purely just some scheme to 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 help them with their arms sales or or something like that you know coming up with a bit more of a an end an end goal and uh, something diabolical to get them there yes yep okay well we will see if that happens as we close in on the last 20 kind of 23 24 issues of this run before we hit 275 i think we also got that silent issue uh, four parter to do and the yearbook as well so we've got uh, nearly about 30 issues to cover till we get to 275 um but there a uh, question for next week we've already put it out there and that is what questions have you got for any of the five co-hosts that will be appearing on next week's episode anything you want um you know we've already got some good ones in the barrel so to speak that will be firing at you and uh, any other questions keep them coming but you can get hold of us in all the usual places that's talking underscore joe on twitter talking joe comics on instagram talking joe comics at gmail.com and talking joe a gi joe podcast on the facebook so yeah yeah good show good show good discussion as always looking forward to the countdown seven days until you get that episode 100 in your in your pod player and uh take the day off relax put your feet up get a uh, brandy and a chocolate bar and uh, listen to the five guys go at it so with all that said and done we will catch you down the road because we've been talking joe and we're all out of joes Ladies. Ladies.